Welcome to episode 109 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Well, welcome back, everyone. I just wanted to jump in. Usually Kim starts us off and Kim is on vacation with her family, and she's left the country, uh, and so um, I hope she's doing well and having a great time. And so as a guest host, we have Michelle Boivard uh, with us today, and uh, Michelle is going to offer some tips for us. So Michelle, our one of our uh, stellar past guests, uh, is, has agreed to join us. So Michelle, what, what kind of tips would you share today? Well, today, well, first of all, Todd, thank you so much for um, having me co-host. This was a real honor and pleasure. So today we're going to hear about some unique ways of delivering telepractice. And it's really cool to hear about how this is being done now, Mm -hmm. because there's some pretty clear research actually to support this method of um, doing more kind of active screenless telepractice, active consultation using telepractice technologies and approaches, but having a butt in the ear and being able to coach either clinicians through Mm -hmm. a particular therapy approach or parents Mm -hmm. and supporting their children through um, a particular therapy approach. And so some of my research way back when looks at how telepractice can be used for a more consultative or coaching um, method that clinicians can provide to either parents or graduate students or even other clinicians. And it's really cool to see it happening today. And especially now, a tip using mobile technology where we can bring our camera and our earbuds anywhere with us. And so this form of coaching is not limited to a little, to a computer or to a laptop, but -hmm. it's really easy to bring um, with you throughout the home if you're doing parent coaching or um, throughout a a building, really, if you're doing for graduate school um, coaching. So integrating mobile technology into telepractice is a win-win when we're talking about telecoaching. Yeah. And, and of course, the whole parent coaching and, and being able to just sort of be in their ear, so to speak, and help yeah. them understand the strategies in real time as they are working or, or not working, but playing with their child. Uh, I think it's very powerful. And our guest uh, on today uh, is uh, Gabrielle Nicolette. And Gabrielle, uh, some people might uh, know, is the owner, the executive director and owner of Speech Kids. Uh, which is a practice in Washington, D.C., and she has been pioneering some of the things that you've just talked about, uh, as well as microdosing. We're not talking about psychedelics. We're talking about microdosing <laughs> uh, with telepractice, short, very direct uh, telepractice sessions, maybe 10 minutes or so, where they are really, in a sense, focused on that one skill or one thing that she's trying to teach and doing that every day, maybe uh, for 10 minutes. And so she's kind of uh, been doing that for a while and she's going to come on and 
share some more. So let's let's hear from Gabrielle. Hi, are you creative? Do you want to give a webinar or teach a course? Maybe you're a writer. Do you want to create a blog? Maybe you have an idea for a podcast. Whatever your passion is, we at 3C Digital Media Network want you to be a content creator so we can bring your ideas to life. So, to get started, visit our website at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com and sign up to be a content creator. We look forward to seeing your passions come to life on our platform. So, Gabrielle, welcome to the podcast. Can you share more about yourself and how you discovered speech-language pathology? Yes, it was a very circuitous route, given that my mother was a special educator, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is kind of funny. I was a French major in college. Um, And so it's only in hindsight that you can see the communication threads Mm -hmm. um, come through. So I again, was a French major. I had like a job at a nonprofit that I spent exactly 365 days at because it was not my thing. Um, And then when I got back from some traveling, ended up at the International Monetary Fund. Um, So able to use that language background, but again, office work, not my thing. Right. And I started to kind of poke around and met with a career counselor, um, who gave me, you know, the strong invis- strong interest inventory and all of these like Myers-Briggs, all those assessments. Helper, 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 OT, mm-hmm. PT, music therapist, blah, 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 right? All the therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I then became an assistant to a child with autism. Um, and this mm-hmm. was in 1997. It was the first preschool child that they, that the preschool had decided to keep um, sort of on purpose and not place him out. And so I went as his aide and I went to all his therapies and I was like, oh, I want to do that when I went with a speech therapist. Cool. And I went to school, had to do a three-year master's because, right, speech pathology is one of those things you have to know something going in. Right. Um, And I was certified in 2001 as a speech language pathologist. That's awesome. And so after that, where where did you start off? I spent the first few years of my career at the Ivy Mount School in Rockville, Maryland. Um, Ivy Mount is a Mm -hmm. private school for children with special needs. Um, Fabulous, fabulous place. I had a huge variety of kids. Um, I had kids with, you know, autism, who had cerebral palsy, who had severe and profound delays, developmental delays, all kinds of everything. Um, and that was a really great place to practice. Um, when I had my kids, I decided I need a little bit more flexibility. And so I left the school, um, environment and started my private practice, sort of one client at a time. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How, how has treatment for autism in your view changed since back then to now? What's been the biggest change? For me personally, so I was um, brought up in the ABA heyday, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there were always there are things about ABA that I love, and there are things about ABA that always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in the arc of my work, 
Um, I have come more to a relationship-based approach. And I think that's where the literature is going. That's certainly where the neuroscience is going in terms right. of like what's happening internally um, with autistic individuals and then sort of how we treat that um, in, a, in a holistic sensory-based, person-based, mm -hmm. relationship-based treatment modality. I will right. say the things that I keep from ABA are um, the prompt hierarchies and really yeah. being solid on how much are we prompting said individual and are we really sure um, at how much help you know, any given person needs in order to exhibit a skill, for example. Um, mm -hmm. That has been tremendously helpful just in terms of like, how do we scaffold this? What are the steps? How do we back chain? Um, so I do think that ABA continues to inform my practice in that way. But no, mm -hmm. I mean, my whole practice um, over at Speech Kids is a relationship based. I can know all the tools. I can mm -hmm. know all the things. And if you don't like me, it doesn't matter. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Very true. So that's, so, yeah, I think, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, so I'm still curious. So from that, from your early experiences, how did you get interested in telepractice? And you have a unique twist on or approach to telepractice, which is fascinating. I do. So I became very interested in telepractice on March 13th of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. What was happening then? Yeah, I what happened? <laughs> Let's see. Um, so here's how I think of it in my mind. And I tell the story on March 12th, it became clear what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. March 13th, Speech Kids closed as an in-person in home and in preschool practice. So an itinerant home-based practice. And we became a virtual practice. Mm -hmm. um, and we opened on Monday the 16th with 95% of our client base intact. Wow. Um, and we just, I had like, I don't know how many meetings over the weekend showing my therapist, like which button you push on Zoom. I was already familiar with mm -hmm. Zoom, fortunately. Purchased the HIPAA compliant, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm -hmm. version of Zoom, and we went from there. Um, but the interesting thing is, and I was listening back to some of your previous podcasts, and mm -hmm. um, I, I chuckle to myself because I, I don't consider myself a techie person. I don't think of myself as a teletherapist. And so when, when, when people are talking about boom cards or talking about the games that they play online, mm -hmm. I only have one client that I do anything technological with on the Zoom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, my therapy continues to be, and, and I think I, my, some of my therapists do, do have um, you know, some, some technology embedded into the session. But because I am mostly seeing emergent talkers, um, so these are very small, you know, these are kids who are 15 to 36 months tend to be my, my kiddos. Um, and they're usually late talkers. Sometimes they turn out to have autism, you know, to be autistic. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they look like they are very apraxic, but it turns out maybe it was just a phonological, severe phonological disorder. You know, all that mm -hmm. stuff is kind of, I think it's very in flux when we're dealing mm -hmm. with young kids like that. But it's still my relationship-based, you know, um, G show, mm -hmm. <laughs> I miss G, to my therapy clients um, it's still that therapy and it is 
enormously effective. Mm -hmm. Um, But Michelle, I think what you're getting at is one of the modifications that I made very early on was I had a kid who just could not attend to the screen for more than 10 minutes. And so I was like, well, here's the thing. We're all on Zoom. We're all at home. Guess what? How about if we meet at 8 a.m. for 10 minutes every day? And that is what we have done. Interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. It is. And so I'm calling them microdosed speech therapy Mm -hmm. sessions. There is Mm -hmm. literature. Right. Um, It's mostly sort of. um, Psychedelic drugs, right? (laughs) (laughs) There's good literature on the psychedelics, too. Um, But there is literature in the speech therapy world about Mm -hmm. um, virtual sessions, short, frequent virtual Mm -hmm. sessions. Right. Right. It's incredible the progress that these kids have made. Um, and the nice thing about Zoom is I have all of them on with parent permission, obviously on, on recorded. And so I'm in the process now of, of going back and analyzing those videos. And so I'm so excited to just see kind of what pops out. Um, but the way we do it is we've, we keep it number one, very short, number two, pretty structured at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So we have a greeting ritual. We have an activity. Usually it's a book. Maybe it's bubbles or a Play-Doh. And then we have a parting ritual. And before they're done, before they know what's hit them, I'm like, see you later. Bye-bye. Have a great day. (laughs) That's awesome. Now, can you explain? So when you say, when I like look at your your stuff and I see like screenless telepractice, which is like, that's not what people think of when they think of telepractice. However, it's so highly effective for your our early intervention population. Can you kind of describe how you do that? What it looks like? Mm-hmm. Um, what parents need or caregivers need? Yeah, that is so fun. <laughs> so, other I had another little guy who was with mom at home and just throughout the session would basically compete. I couldn't compete because he wanted mom. And that's really who he needs anyway. He does not need me, you know, jazzing it up with my jazz hands on the, (laughs) on the screen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I shut my camera off and I said, listen, mom, we're going to set this up like a little bit like a nanny cam. So you put your computer up on a high surface. I can see where you're at in the room. I've got a nice wide angle. And then you dial in with headset So either wireless or, you know, actually I'm wearing wired headphones that has worked with the phone in the back pocket before. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will basically cue you Mm -hmm. on how to interact, timing, like what to say, how to say it, when to say it. And then I will also um, sort of narrate a little bit of what's happening Um, because I think what often happens is parents are told, you know, play with your child, talk to your child. Mm-hmm. And so parents are like, you know, here's the bubbles. Do you want the bubbles? Here's the bubbles. Here's the bubbles. Here's the bubbles. Right. Do you, do you, do you want more bubbles? And they're so they're over talking number one, mm-hmm. and they're moving too fast a lot of the time. And so what we're able to do when I'm in their ear is I can say things like, okay, we're just going to pause just another second. And can you feel the shift? Like I'm doing this on purpose, right? Where you can feel the shift in the energy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we check in and I usually do 30 minutes once a week for this kind of, of, of therapy works fairly well. Um, 
And I'll check in with them at the end of the session and be like, so, you know, what'd you notice? Almost all of them say I was talking way less. Um, I had to do less work mm-hmm. and it was more fun. <laughs> right. Because when we can get parents vibing off of their child and following their child's energy and interests, mm-hmm. then that's really, um, you know, a lot of time when the therapist is in the home, that's what's happening. That's the loveliness, right? Because you've got right. a person who's really tuned in, who's trained to tune in to, a, to particularly the littles. When we can teach the parent to do that, that, that can happen all day long. That can happen at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And that's where the learning happens, right? When we are regulated and co-regulated with our primary caregiver, that's where the magic happens. Um, and so again, I'm less interested, honestly, in any given session with how many words is a child saying. I'm much more interested in how many serve and returns, how many volleys, how many communication circles can we facilitate because now a parent is actively observing and waiting and listening. It's a little bit based on Hannon, yeah? Sure. Um, that whole owling language. Right. Um, but, but can we get that back and forth going where it just feels really good? Mm-hmm. Do you have problems with parent buy-in into telepractice in general? And then this idea of coaching them and and being in their ear, do they, how do you get that buy-in? Yeah, I have an amazing practice manager. (laughs) So when they call, Mm -hmm. they are informed that we are currently still a virtual practice. We're, We're kind of going into hybrid mode at this point. We'll see what happens. Um, but they are also, um, sort of told about these two therapy options that we've been using, how Mm. effective they are, why they're a good idea. Um, We sometimes offer, if we've got really skeptical people, we offer like a trial. You can just just schedule one to see how it goes. Um, So I would say the answer to your question is is yes and no, but, you know, that's just true for for everybody, right? My practice is not the right practice for everybody, and that's true of all practitioners. There's your people are out there. You just have to find them right. or they have to find you. <laughs> Very true. So what, um, what do you see as the biggest difference? I know in terms of working, say with kids with autism through telepractice versus in person, and how do you make those modifications? It's a lot more work on my end to keep them engaged. Um, I think the shorter duration certainly helps. Um, we certainly need somebody on the other end. You need a facilitator. Um, I think it's, it is more, um, you know, it sort of requires more energy on my side. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are certainly kiddos for whom a virtual approach maybe isn't the right one. Certainly when I've got, um, kids graduating where they need more work on, some social interaction skills or, you know, some generalization. We, we want a body, <laughs> sure. um, right? So we can, we can work on that, that early communication. I think that's a really great place for, for teletherapy. And we can also work on some skills and then make sure they're generalizing. I mean, I think that's true of, 
of mm -hmm. all of the therapy that we do. We want to generalize it into the real world, right? Right. Now, do you find that parent coaching facilitates that generalization a bit yes. differently? Yes. Number one, it makes me a much better coach, right? When I can't be in the room and do it, um, you know. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, that's another, remind me, I want to ask you one more question. Okay. But yeah. yeah, please keep going. This is fascinating. Yeah. So it, because I can't be there, I really have to be very adept at explaining what it is that I want them to do. And then I also have to be very adept at coaching them truly mm -hmm. and truly coaching them, right? Which doesn't always mean telling. Fact, almost never right. to discover sort of, okay, how do you think that went? What did you notice? Um, what, what do you think you'd like to do more of? Did this feel okay to you? I mean, I can tell parents to play games all day long, but if it doesn't feel culturally relevant or, mm -hmm. or, or, you know, just in terms of the family culture, mm -hmm. um, then, then I want them to tell me that. Right. So, but yes, I've had parents say, actually, it's super fun. You know, we, because we do this every day, I'm just adopting G-speak. <laughs> I call it G-speak. And so I'll find myself at dinner saying, dinner's all done. It's time for bath. <laughs> and like, your kids are like, ah. <laughs> Right. They're, but they're super happy about it because they know exactly what's going on, right? right. Like, yeah. kids want to know what the schedule is. They do. Yeah. It might work on spouses too. Kind of keep things simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm, Todd, I'm going to have to keep that in mind. <laughs> um, so, have do you find yourself? So, I th what you said just now is so interesting. So, it seems that there's a reflective part of this type of um, therapy, this parent coaching, mm -hmm. and then do mm -hmm. you find yourself? Um, thinking very carefully about how you do the coaching in the moment, like the butt in the ear type of speak. Yeah. Yeah. I you really have to become adept, I think, at reading who you're coaching mm -hmm. and how ready they are mm -hmm. to manage. I have parents who I coach who can handle me giving them three strategies at once. Mm -hmm. And I have parents who are still after three sessions, learning how to observe what their child is doing. Right. Um, one of the, I've, I've been working to sort of codify this um, methodology, for lack of a better word, in terms of like, what are the pillars? What are the stages? What are the, you know, what are the things? One of the games that we play is what's, what is the game here? I'll ask the parent, what's the game? What is the game that the child is playing? And if the child is, is holding bubbles, and tapping bubbles, and the parent says, he's playing with bubbles, they say, yes, but, or and, mm -hmm. it looks like the game is to tap the bubbles on, the, on his hand, right? Mm -hmm. Not to blow the bubbles. So we right. want to get really specific about those kinds of things because that, again, lets us know where's the child's interest? How are we going to go go into where they are so that we can share space, share ideas, share whatever we share in that. I think of it as a tent. It's funny, um, mm -hmm. you know, to get into the, into the tent with the child and then enlarge the tent, right? So right. that now child is coming with us. Um, but we have to know, we have to know where they are. Otherwise we'll never find them. Mm -hmm. 
lost in the wilderness otherwise, right? <laughs> yeah, and and mm. and across purposes, mm-hmm. right? So if if a child has a truck and parent thinks that child is playing with trucks, then parent is going to create this whole scenario with a with a construction and lovely loveliness. Mm-hmm. Except that kiddo really wants to spin the wheels on the truck. Right. And if that's what's happening, then that's where we go. Mm-hmm. Because that's where we're going to capture interest. That's where we're going to capture authenticity and trust. Mm-hmm. And then we can maybe push the car and see that the wheels go around mm-hmm. still. And right. then we can drive the car up the hill and say, oh, it's going up, right? There's any number of expanded um, activities that we can do, but we have to meet them first and we have to know where to find them. Again, you know, exactly as you said, Todd, it's, you know, <laughs> otherwise we're lost in the wilderness and mm-hmm. we're doing our thing and we're wondering why they're not latching on to our fabulous play ideas <laughs> right. that, that we've been told by whoever that we have to do. Right. Well, you, you, Michelle was talking about, you know, reflecting on what you're learning and how engaging parents and getting them to do that. Um, I, I'm reminded of an old quote by John Dewey, the, the, you know, the famous educator. He said, you know, we don't learn from experience. We learn from reflecting on our experiences. Yeah. And, uh, and I think in, in my own sort of parent coaching, you know, as we coach parents when they're doing activities and then at the end of the session, kind of reviewing what we've done and going through that and really asking them, well, what do you think worked well? How can we do that better? Or how can we do it differently to get a different outcome? Um, And so I think that reflection process is really critical for parents to, to learn new skills and to really start to integrate the knowledge and skills that we're trying to teach them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One of my favorite questions is, what did you, what did you get today? <laughs> what, did, right. what did you get from this? Because then you can really hear, okay, did, number one, did it match what I thought we were getting? <laughs> right. right? And, and number two, how much of what I thought we were getting? And so if it's, you know, one part of what I thought was three parts, good. Practice that. That's exactly mm-hmm. what you're going to do for the next week until I see you again. And then we're going to build and expand. Right. Yeah. I also like to sort of end sessions on asking the parent, what can I do better for you next time to make mm-hmm. this an easier process? You know, and, and, and that opens up a lot of discussion sometimes too. Sometimes, oh, nothing is great. Uh, you know, see you next time. And other times they say, well, you know, when you said this, I didn't quite understand what you were saying. Or, you know, maybe I was using too much jargon or, you know, or used a term they weren't familiar with. But they didn't want to ask me or say something in the moment because they it was embarrassing or something. And But, yeah. you know, I think it's I think it's important for clinicians to really put that. Yeah, you know, out there and say, you know, how how could this have gone better from okay. your perspective? What could I have done differently? Um in, in your from your pers- uh, your perspective as the parent. And so yeah. I think it's uh, a useful thing to sort of end the session on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, no question. So uh, what are some strategies that you could recommend to other clinicians that are out there? tackling some of these uh the same populations with telepractice and, and maybe struggling a little bit um what recommendations would you give i think 
Number one, don't be afraid to shorten up your sessions and make them more mm -hmm. frequent. Um, I think telepractice allows us to be really flexible with how we're delivering service. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think another part of that is consider going screenless. If you, you know, if you've got somebody who's not attending to the screen, but you still feel like there's work that you could be, mm -hmm. um, expertise that you could be providing, it, it's not an automatic, you know, you asked that question about are parents resistant to telepractice? I, th I, I think in the general population, there's like a telepractice isn't as good as all right. You know, in person or real, real, real speech therapy. Right. <laughs> and that, I think the past two years, if nothing else, and there's a huge body of literature on literature right. on telepractice from before that. It's not true. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think before you kind of throw it out as like, this isn't working, change some stuff up. Right. Don't be afraid to play. Right. It's, yeah, it's asking what isn't exactly working. It's not the model. It's maybe something you're doing within the model, within exactly. the service delivery. Exactly. Yeah. So great. Well, uh, Gabrielle, I think it's time for our moment of Zen. Okay. And are you familiar with our moment of Zen? I vaguely, yes. <laughs> vaguely, yes. She says with some trepidation. Uh, so um, I want you, I have a list of questions here and I have three different lists. I have list A, B, and C. So you can choose which list you want, De A, B, or C. Definitely B. You're a B person, huh? I'm you're a one B of, person. You're one of those people. Okay. So uh -huh. here we go. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. Would you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert? I'm an ambivert. Okay. Neither. Neither. Or after being battle? married to my after being married to my husband for 25 years, my husband my extreme introvert husband, he has pushed me over to the to the, to the other further, side. Further to the other side, but I I linger in the middle. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good. So you're you're yeah. a good balance of the of the two, huh? Definitely. Yeah, my my wife and I just celebrated our 30th anniversary. So you're hmm. you young people out there doing 25 years, that's nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> what's the best compliment you've received? The best compliment that I have received. Um, recently, somebody told me that something I wrote on my blog has stayed with them for several months and they think of it often. That was a pretty amazing compliment. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, who has been the most influential person in your life and how did he or she impact you? My piano teacher uh, from growing up was mm -hmm. one of the mo most influential people. Um, she was a consistent, um, uh, high standard drawing <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, person who loved me unconditionally. Very nice. That's beautiful. Uh, what do people misunderstand about you? Oh. <laughs> wow. What do they misunderstand about me? 
They think you're an extrovert, but you're really neutral. <laughs> they think I'm an extrovert, but I'm really an introvert. I don't know, man. I, I wear it really, really kind of close to the surface. So I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm a pretty what you see is what you get. <laughs> Anything come to mind? Misunderstand. Um, misunderstand. Uh, what do they misunderstand about me? They misunderstand that you stumped me, Todd. I don't okay. know. All right. We'll, we'll okay. move on. If you think of something, we'll come back. All right. Back. Please. I'll, if um, I think of it, I'll come back. Yeah. And a sort of a related question. What's something surprising that you've learned about yourself? Oh, um, that my... Um, that the, that that feeling things deeply is um, not just a kryptonite, but a superpower. Ooh, that is a superpower. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Do you have a favorite quote or motto? Yes, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it, but it's the Maya Angelou quote about mm -hmm. do your best until you know better, and then do better. Very good. Something like that, right? It was so wonderful to see her. You know, she was at Asha two years ago. Um, yes. One of her last appearances. It was just incredible to see her there. And, yes. She was an amazing, and, amazing and she, woman. She passed away, unfortunately, just not too long after that. Um, yeah. So um, how do you define success? How do I define success? I think success is knowing that you are in the right place with the right people doing the right things for you. Very good. I like that. That's awesome. What's the best advice a mentor ever gave you about your work or life? Mm. Um, there are no feeling, no emotion is a problem. Are you? Mm -hmm. Best advice I ever got was never spit into the wind. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> don't uh, shit where you eat. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's spit, Todd. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's maybe a, a corollary that you know, similar uh, line of thinking on that one. Okay. Um, uh, that's totally throwing me off now, Gabrielle. Let's see. Um, uh, do you have a hack that you've discovered? Do I have a hack? A hack could be anything. It's something you've learned, technology, or something around the house, or some interesting hack that you've come up with that no I'll one tell knows you what, about. Very few people know about the bug sucker. The bug sucker is a oh little my. handheld vacuum cleaner <laughs> appliance, nine volt battery, not included. And you suck bugs. <laughs> you can suck bugs. You don't have to squish them. And this is important in my house because I am the bug czar in my house. Nobody else will even look at a bug. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so where do you find these bug suckers? I, I'm sure it comes from Amazon. My mother Amazon. gifted me this particular one. But yeah, it comes from China, you know. China, of course. <laughs> where all the things come from. <laughs> Well, that's that's great. That's a great hack. Uh, I, have really to, I have to think about the bug sucker. <laughs> bug, bug sucker. Uh, last question. 
Um, if heaven exists, what do you want to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, hello, honey. That's all. Welcome. <laughs> Come on in. Yeah, like, like, like this, like, like to her bosom kind of okay. welcome. <laughs> sure. I think that's great. I think that's great. Yeah. Well, Gabrielle, thank you for joining us on the podcast and and best of luck with Speech Kids and everything that you're doing. And uh, I hope you come back uh, in the future and, and give us an update at some point. I'd love to. It was a real pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, that was Gabrielle Nicolette from speechkids.com and her private practice there. So go check out what they're doing over at Speech Kids. I think you'll be impressed. And we're always impressed that you are our faithful listeners. Thank you for, for being there for us and listening to this podcast. If you don't mind, please rate, review, subscribe, follow, or share this podcast. We want to get as many listeners as we can, and we always need your help to do that. And, and we would be very, very appreciative for any help you can send our way. And with that, we'll be back again next week. Be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network. Mm-hmm.